Welcome, True Believer readers, to another episode of Let's Read Spider-Man. And here is a man who would never throw himself out a window, my acrobic friend, Eddie. How are you today, Eddie? Uh, I'm doing great. Uh, no, I, throwing myself out a window, that, that would not result in anything good for me. So, certainly not, James B. Yeah, I knew you wouldn't do that. I mean, <laughs> it, who would ever do that? Well, we'll find out today because we're going to talk about Part two of The Prowler, although, Eddie, on page one, it does actually say right away, this tale was originally planned as part of a three-part epic, but since we promised to eliminate our continued stories, we've labored heroically to conclude it in this issue. Just thought you'd like to know. So in a way, Eddie, this is like part two and three. It's like having one extra bonus issue today. Yeah, I... I was happy to see this. It's been a little light in some of these books. Um, but James B., uh, we are also going to have a bonus, but a bonus person. That's right. Today we have a guest introducing our Twitter friend, Steve. We are epically excited to have you join us. How's it going, Steve? I'm doing great. Tell us about your Spider-Man comic knowledge and why you're here, Steve. Well, I decided to tell you guys how great you were on Twitter. And here I am now as a guest. 65 issues of Amazing Spider-Man <laughs> later yeah it's it's a problem i i admit if somebody says they like us eddie i kind of always invite them on the show <laughs> uh it's just a gentle stroke of the egos and special guest everybody that's all it takes but but steve i i got a question um you know you're you're reading all these spider-man books uh just in general what did you think of spider-man like so far just reading it, it i i really just love reading all these early spider-man comics they're so good it's for the first time too but it got a little bit of a drag when it got to the uh the tablet story that's when it was kind of like i maybe have read too many spider-man comics in a row and was second guessing everything <laughs> and nothing was making sense anymore then there was this tablet Eddie, this is for you, Eddie. Go ahead. I am right there with you, Steve. I, I couldn't stand the tablet. <laughs> My God, it went on for eight issues. This this isn't this isn't going to go on for eight issues. This one, this prowler is going to be wrapped up in two, right, Eddie? <laughs> yes, I'm very glad. And speaking of the prowler, let me let me go right into issue seventy nine to prowl no more. We open with a bungled robbery attempt and the prowler grappling to understand how and why Peter threw himself out the Daily Bugle window when J. Jonah Jameson walks in and accuses him of murdering Peter. The prowler flees straight into Spidey's hands where they do battle until Spidey is gassed. A gas attack again, everyone. Come on, Spidey. And the prowler escapes. Steve, did you see J. Jonah Jameson's reaction to Peter's, you know, quote unquote death? Uh, there's one panel where he says, you murdered the kid. And it's followed quickly in the next panel by, at least a rotten killer didn't get any of my money. Should J. Jonah Jameson have been like more sad that Peter fell out the window and presumed dead? Or should he have been less sad? I mean, he gave him one panel of concern and then he was onto the money. Based on what you've read in the last 79 issues and the 65 you read this month, what, what do you think? I think that's very on par for JJ. It's really a normal person would have been a little more concerned, but it's it's Jonah Jameson, and he's he only cares about his money. You think one panel is probably about the appropriate amount for uh, for J. Jonah Jameson? Okay, he does have a heart of gold, you know, Eddie. I, I he's told us so many times. I I know we recently uh, we got to thank Steve for talking about our our top five villains, and this is why J. Jonah is my top villain because. He is just the worst. I hate this guy. 
you know, he's worried about his cash and not his employee as always. <laughs> he did have one panel of you murdered the kid, although you could argue that that was more of him just accusing somebody else of murder more than he was concerned about Peter, right? That's right. I interpreted that as like, that's my next headline. You know, like he's already anticipating his newspaper the next day by saying that headline. Speaking of being concerned, I noticed that uh, Spider-Man could tell that the Prowler was young from the way he talked during the fight. I'm assuming through his mask. Does Spider-Man's mask have a different ability to make him sound older or does Peter consider himself older because he's like oh this guy's just a kid i can tell by his voice uh, what do you guys think is is peter parker old enough that he doesn't have a young man's voice anymore am i is that the is that the difference here it, it sounded like a stretch for him to just kind of guess that he was youthful i don't know if he uses spider sense or something but i don't know i don't know how you can really find out someone's youth yeah. he's not daredevil <laughs> i agree that's what i thought it was a stretch too and i think the reason that he realizes he sounds young is going to pay off in about 16 pages, right? It has to. Yeah, so we'll we'll find out more about that. Last time we uh, were going over the summary, there was some kind of gas attack going on here. Is that what you said, uh, Eddie? Uh, that's right. Peter, groggy from the gas, and Hobie, distraught at being a murderer, both head home, where Hobie concludes he must fight Spidey because it's all Spidey's fault. Eddie, I know you do a great job in the summary, so that way there everybody can feel like instead of reading the book that you've summarized it and they can picture the whole storyline and, and you, you summarize it and eliminating all the stuff we don't care about. But I believe that the Prowler's concern here is if he captures Spider-Man, that then he can prove that murdering Peter was an accident. So he's out to capture Spider-Man so the public will say, oh, look, he took this menace off the streets. That's why he's doing it. He's not mad at Spider-Man for the death of Peter Parker. He's just going to capture Spider-Man to prove he's a good guy. You know, I, I think you're right, James B. I, I, it was my inner J. Jonah Jameson. Um, let me wrap it up here for you guys. The next day, Peter gives Gwen the cold shoulder. That night, Spidey bumps into the prowler, committing a crime. They do battle, and this time, Spidey remembered his gas mask. Eventually, Spidey gets the better of the prowler, and when he unmasks him, he sees a confused young man just like himself. Hobie and Spidey have a heart-to-heart -heart talk, and in the end, Spidey lets Hobie go free. Eddie, do you think Spidey's judgment is good enough to let the Prowler go? I had to think about this for quite a while, because it's a it's a big move on Spidey's part, in my opinion. The Prowler is a criminal. He's committed several crimes, and he, up to this point, he's pretty much wrapped up every, you know, villain that he's come across. Um... But I think he, you know, he really does see himself in as the prowler. And I think this I think not only does he see himself as the prowler, but as I've said before, I think there's very little that kept Spidey from being a villain himself. Like Aunt May is really one of the only things early on we see it that prevents him from being becoming a criminal becoming a criminal himself. So like uh, I, I think this is okay, but I don't know if I trust Spidey's judgment most of the time for other things. Uh, you guys? I think it was good enough to let him go because Prowler's worst crime was throwing Peter out of the window, but Spider-Man knows that that didn't really happen. And I guess all Prowler really did was a little little robbery, but he never really got away with anything. I think Spider-Man knows he's a good guy after that heart-to-heart -heart they had. 
Yeah, I don't have much to add. I did reread it because I think when I finished the book, I thought, what's he doing? And then on the reread, I thought it was fine to let him go. Although he does say he didn't hurt anyone or, I mean, he broke a bunch of windows. He did kick Spider-Man a bunch of times, but you should have said he didn't hurt anyone besides me. But <laughs> yeah, it's like you said, he gave him a heart to heart. And I'm sure Peter saw a youth who he knew it was a youth from his voice earlier that was really misguided and, you know, made some bad decisions. And Peter probably saw a little bit of himself in there with the poor decisions he made when he first found himself in a situation with his costume and Uncle Ben and all that stuff. And he probably thought, I'll cut this guy some slack. So it didn't bother me in the end either. Eddie, um, is this a good time to squeeze in a sponsor? Always a good time for a sponsor, James B. Eddie, are you worried about people stealing from you? I mean, you work hard all day long. And then you like to buy things so you can enjoy your life. And then someone comes along and takes those things, things that don't belong to them. Maybe they damage your property taking it. And you don't want that to happen. You need to take care of that problem, right, Eddie? Well, yeah, I don't want that to happen, but I'm not too worried about this. Go on, James B. Well, now there is a way you can deal with these worrisome problems that you're constantly worried about, Eddie. It's the Spider-Man Security Guard Company. That's right. They will train a security guard. Now, let me be clear. This is not Spider-Man. Okay. He's just in name. But they'll train someone to come to your home or place of business. And if anyone breaks a window or steals from you or throws someone out of a window, the Spider-Man security guard company will deal with it. Be assured justice will be served. Of course, at the Spider-Man security guard company, there are some exceptions. So if the person wanted to help people, but no one seemed to care, Spider-Man security guard personnel are trained to let those people go, Eddie, if no one gets hurt, like, or just kicked in the face. Employees will probably also let people go if there's an opportunity for the person to go back to their girlfriend, since that's, quote, really where it's at, close quote. The employees of the Spider-Man security guard company will probably let them go if they're not too old. I mean, if they're young, they're probably going to let them go. Um, look, it really depends on if they have a good sob story. Let's just be clear. So don't waste time with real police officers or real security guards. Have the Spider-Man security guard company send someone to help you out. Note, the Spider-Man security guard company employees also work during the day as life coaches and social workers. So they're there for guidance if you need that as well. You can find them on Instagram at sscg.com. SpidermanSecurityCompany.com is fully insured. So, Eddie, are you ready to hire someone like that today? Well, I got to say, I'm very happy that there is a moral training for these security guards and that they are life coaches, too. Uh, that's that's a great combination, I think, for you know law enforcement and security guards. But uh, uh, I, I don't know if I really have a need for this, James B. I, I'm not so sure. So you're saying that you're, you you don't care about your, your stuff or your... Or... <laughs> People throwing your family out a window or something? Is that what I'm hearing? Steve, can you explain the value of the Spider-Man security company to Eddie? I think this is great because Spider-Man can't be everywhere, you know? He's always in the city, Manhattan, but what about the suburbs, you know, New Jersey and everything? He can't be everywhere. So this is just like having your own personal Spider-Man to just watch your stuff. It's great. You know, Steve, Steve might have convinced me here. It's like an extension of Spider-Man outside of his normal boundaries. Uh, That's right. He's out there letting people who would be thwarting you and 
harming you, letting them go with a with an uh, important talk. Uh, all right, all right. Thank you, Steve. Anything else we want to talk about in this issue, gentlemen? Um, I think Gwen and Peter deserve a little more. Steve, did you have anything to say about that? Yeah, uh, Peter and Gwen only interacted for like one full page, if that, for like only four panels. And I think it was their first fight ever where Peter tells her off and is jealous about Flash. And he tells her to go run away with Flash and won't be at his expense anymore. He's, he's fed up with her, I guess. It's very sad. Yeah, I'm surprised she's not crying. She did have the permanent tear for, oh, it yes. seems like, the entire petrified tablet saga and she's not crying here but she's just got her mouth open in shock for three panels eddie anything else you want to say about that or is that's it steve cover it i think peter has a real problem with like not talking out his problems with whoever he has a problem with we've seen it so many times with the human torch we've seen it with harry i like come on peter just slow down for a minute and why don't you talk to gwen but nope um one thing we didn't talk about is this actual issue did we like this issue 79 with the prowler and everything like you know i'll bring 78 into it as a two-parter if you don't mind but did, did you like it i really liked it i liked the prowler i i knew about the Prowler from uh, the animated series and of course in spider-verse it was a little different but this was pretty uh like on point to the animated series prowler that i'm familiar with and i really liked that he was just like a window washer and he had all these gadgets ready and it just made him to a super villain and even even this issue i really liked besides like so much fighting but i thought it was pretty good i, I like the prowler i can't wait to see like i want to see him team up with spider-man going forward Eddie? That that would be really cool. You know, like, I don't know the future super well, but um, I, I did like this. I like this issue, too. I know we, we didn't talk about the goofy uh, film buying, right? <laughs> when he break, he essentially breaks into, like, a drugstore or whatever, and this is the second time he's used his web to, like, or third time, actually, to, like, put some money towards someone <laughs> or pick it up from, like, the sewer. Um, I, you know, that was, like, I didn't even mention it by summer we talk about it. But this goofy part, I kind of enjoy it. After the tablet saga, this is so much better, right, Steve? Oh, yes. Oh, my God. That's that's what I was – after the lizard, the lizard fight was kind of just two issues of fighting. And then this really feels like, all right, we're past the tablet. We're going back to Amazing Spider-Man as you know it. Random villain that you feel sorry for, Spider-Man fights. It's great. I think I agree with your points that uh, this is a kind of villain that will, uh, you know, help out Spider-Man in the future. It was much more enjoyable than the Petrified Tablet saga. I think it lacks, like, I know we talked to, uh, Eddie, one of our guests was talking about the the backgrounds are being drawn, like, really, uh, was that Travis? That they were trying to, they were talking about they were saving backgrounds by not drawing and rushing the issues along. Remember that storyline? Yeah, that was the that was the first one where like, yeah, I think Travis was telling us I got us done that. with it. So he was he was talking about how they used bigger panels, right? But, so they didn't. But what they're also doing? Oh, it's how it's DC's fault. Yes, it's DC's it's fault. DC's good, fault. Good call back. But, <laughs> yes. but what they're also doing here is they're also not covering the other storylines. They're like, don't worry about like. Don't worry about Aunt May. She's just not in this issue. Like, you know what I mean? Right. Like, don't worry about Harry. He's just not appearing in this issue. And that's not what we're used to. I'm used to 
We have enough panels that we can... Where is the gratuitous Ned and Betty one panel? <laughs> well, well, they're in the background saying, there goes JJ again or something like that. There's none of that, right? Right. It's true. It doesn't, it doesn't like have a lot of story again. There was panels with J. Jonah Jameson not even smoking a cigar, Eddie. I don't know if you saw those. I, I, <laughs> Super lazy. There, it's 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 fallen out of his mouth so many times now, too. It's, his cigar has always fallen out of his mouth now. Um, we mentioned that Steve, you mentioned earlier, Steve had asked us the question that we used in episode 49, which was our top five villains that Steve had proposed two different questions. And I said, this is a great question. Um, why don't you come on and do your second question, which is our three best supporting characters and maybe the human torch and Harry and Gwen will be on your lists. But uh, do you guys have a list prepared of your top three supporting characters? I do. Yes, I'm prepared. All right. So for the best supporting characters, the criteria is just up in the air. It could be your favorite character. It could be someone you think is important to Spider-Man. It could be someone who's just well-written. Anything you want. It was our decision to go wherever we wanted. So for my number three, um, I have someone who makes 26 appearances. Their first appearance is Amazing Spider-Man 15. And uh, the most important thing that Anna Watson does is takes Aunt May off Peter Parker's hands and introduces him to Mary Jane Watson. And I think Anna Watson is a key factor that we forget about because having someone to watch over Aunt May really makes it nice for Peter. And of course, bringing MJ into the fold and you know giving her a, a motherly figure is also uh, a factor out there. So um, I'd be surprised if you guys picked up on her, but I think that Anna Watson is my number three. Um, Steve, who did you have at your number three? Number three, I have Robbie Robertson. He loves Peter. He's a really good guy. He paid Peter what he's actually worth, and he supports Spidey. So he's a great supporting character just for those things and that one issue, just for putting a positive headline for Spider-Man and giving, Spider and giving Peter the money that he deserves for the picture he takes. That is a really valid point, Steve. I gotta appreciate Peter finally getting paid properly. Um, I actually had Betty Brand. Um, it was an unexpected one. I, there's a lot of ties for third for me, but she's involved in so many different aspects of Peter Parker and Spider-Man's life, and she's around for a really long time. And she directs several stories um, in several different issues. And although she kind of perpetually has a sad face uh, towards the end of her heavy involvement with Spider-Man and Peter. Um, I, I really like how she kind of is in several, both Spider-Man and Peter Parker's world and J. Jonah Jameson. Um, she's just involved a lot throughout much of the, many of the comics early on. My number two, they've been in issues appearing with Electro, the Goblin, the Sandman, twice with Doc Ock, They've been key factors in Goblin issues, Mysterio, the Vulture, and Craven. Yet, again, much like Anna Watson, someone who people don't really take as seriously as a supporting character, but super important, I feel, is Dr. Nicholas Bromwell. Dr. Bromwell is always making house calls, again, taking <laughs> care of Aunt May. I This is not me being even being uh, being silly. I really believe... So many times he's there to save her. If he's not there, Peter can't rush off and take care of his business. 
uh, Dr. Bromwell is, you know, not just a sponsor. He's a savior to Peter and to Aunt May. And I, I just don't think people realize how many times Aunt May is passing out and fainting and Dr. Bromwell's there to, to keep her going so Peter can do take care of business. So that's why for number two, I have Dr. Bromwell. Uh, Steve, who do you have at number two? For number two, I have Gwen. Gwen Stacy, the love of Peter's life, his first love. It's going to last forever. And she's just so pleasant always. And her dad's a cop. So Peter's friend, Spider-Man's friends with him already. Eddie, who do you got at your number two spot? You know, I said this in a silly way when we were talking last time, but I just went for it. I like anybody named Blackie in these early, you know, 80 issues. We got Blackie Gaxton. We got Blackie Drago. We got one or two other criminals. Blackie, go get them. And I, I don't know why this name, I still can't figure out why this name keeps being used, but I, it's a funny shtick to me that, that hangs around. And we, whenever we hear that name, we know oh, this some villain, some, some villain's going to get, you know, beat up here or he's going to do something. So uh, I know it's a, it's a wide net to cast, but uh, any criminal or brother of Betty named Blackie. Spider-Man needs someone to, uh, to fight, and it's good that he knows the villains That's just right. when he hears their name. Eddie, I'm going to actually let you do your number one um, right away here because I know your uh, I know your Blackie is is probably not your top supporting character. So who'd you have at the top? I you know my top supporting character was was kind of easy for me. She had the longest run up in of mystery of any person or character in Spider-Man thus far. And I, I do really like her her style and how she talks. Uh, Mary Jane Watson, um, she's just, she's a great character, a great foil for kind of like whenever there's an overly serious moment. Um, I don't like how they kind of treat her like a bimbo oftentimes, but I, I think she can only improve from here. And I really look forward to reading more about Mary Jane. Awesome. Steve, who'd you have at the top? My number one is John Jameson the son of Jonah Jameson. And basically because he's the opposite of his dad, he's actually a hero. He's been to space. And most importantly, he knows that Spider-Man is a hero. I don't know how we managed to do this without any conversation. <laughs> and it's true. We had you guys, right? Back me up. We didn't talk about this at all, right? That's right. Not at all. But, yeah. but for us to pull off nine different characters in our top spots, wow. I'm, I'm shocked. Versatile. Um, yeah, for number one, I had Harry Osborne. Hmm. He is a roommate who doesn't oh. charge Peter any rent. <laughs> Good um, no tongue in cheek here for um, <laughs> no tongue in cheek here for our friends over at the Multiverse of Badness. But he does take care of the women whenever Peter's unavailable. Yep. <laughs> he keeps Peter from killing the Goblin. If if Harry didn't have his father involved, that could have been the end of that. He's not a nosy roommate, which is good. He sh but but in all seriousness, he shows people can change and he leads to getting Peter into the crowd by accepting Peter. It brings along Gwen. It softens the blow with Flash and it makes Peter part of a group rather than just being that outsider all the time. And it all happened when there was a, a moment where Harry was down about his dad and Peter kind of, you know, took to him and started being nice to him. And three or four issues later, they're living together and the whole situation changed. And um, I was surprised on thinking about this, but Harry Osborn, I, I feel is to me the most important uh, character. Like, okay, it's, 
I keep like it's just funny that we all had like one obvious like to cover Harry and Gwen and MJ. Right? On three, yeah, on three different on people's, three, yeah. on three different people's lists, and then to on have those Gwen. those for me, I'm like I'm going to put in Doctor Bromwell, and but you know to have Blackie and John Jameson and other people, <laughs> like yeah, they're all legit answers, but everyone had like one kind of offbeat answer. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It was that was crazy. Yeah. And I really feel like mine are right. I'm like, you know, I, I don't I don't mind Betty Brant and Robbie. I really did consider Gwen even too. But after a while, it's like, wow, that's uh that was really good. And it's good to hear your, you know, that you guys have those opinions. They, that shows the strong writing of the characters that we found so many supporting characters we liked. So many characters in Amazing Spider Man. Yeah, I I had not considered Joe Robbie in that sense. I mean, I knew he was like supportive of Spider Man and then like you really point out Peter's never getting paid properly with Daily Bugle. And, like, that is a big deal. It, it like, shapes several comics. Like, Aunt May goes to Florida, and, like, that's a storyline that continues. And that's because of Joe Robbie. So that's a great point. We also left some people off the list, obviously. Not many, right? <laughs> right. Not many. Uh, we didn't have Captain Stacy. Huh. We didn't have Liz Allen. Right. Liz Allen wasn't there. Yep. Well, I, I was... What about Flash Thompson? I, I almost had Flash. Flash was almost there, but then I had Robbie, and I was like, I don't know, the, the former bully or the guy that's hooking up Peter now. I don't think <laughs> I don't think Flash Thompson adds any value to Peter's life at all at, 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 through issue seventy nine. Mm. You want to you want to tell me why he should be even a no, an honorable mention? I really don't think so, guys. I I had him in the running because. And, you know, like when I I had a struggle trying to think of like why I was going to pick the supporting character, quite honestly, like I looked at it a little bit more of a perspective, like who I like to read about in the comic. Okay, fair. Flash for me, he he's been around since the very beginning. You know, like Gwen just pointed that out recently that like if you want to know something about Peter Parker or Spider-Man, Flash is going to know something about it. And although he's a Peter Parker hater, he's really been Spider-Man's number one fan forever. Right. Yep. So yeah, that was his one. That was that was his one thing I thought of. But I just didn't think it was enough. Um, th- when you brought up Betty Brant, I was thinking of her as the early romance. I do you recall when Peter makes his first real move? Not just I'm going to ask Liz Allen and she's going to reject me because she wants to go on a date with Spider Man instead. But he he puts a move on hiding in the bugle while J. Jonah Jameson's like running around. Remember he's sort of like the desk scene. Yeah, yeah. being like he's under the desk. He's under the desk. He's being kind of a little aggressive with her. And it's like, you know, and she's like, Oh, what you know, what are you talking about here? Yeah. yeah. But there, there was a, yeah, there's a great line there. I think it was something like, you know, cool it, baby. We're going to be okay. Or something like that. I'm like, Oh, Peter, a slick line for Betty brand. <laughs> right. Right. So as long as he's not too dangerous, she'll be, she'll be into him. All your characters, I you know, I, I, I thought of many of them. I, I think you guys did a great job, and thank you for, uh, thank you for the question, Steve. Glad we had nine different answers. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you, Steve. I really appreciate you helping us shape the podcast and coming on today because, you know, connecting to people like you is one of the reasons we do this podcast. We want to talk to people about spider-man and this early spider-man too in particular and i definitely don't talk to enough people about spider-man so this is awesome <laughs> for me too <laughs> well steve if people wanted to talk to you more about spider-man um how could they get a hold of you oh they can find me on twitter at slim shady underscore ep eddie tells me that's a detroit reference it is eddie how could they uh 
How can they find us? Uh, you can find us at Let's Read Spider-Man at gmail.com. You could write us an email there or on Twitter at Let's Read Spidey. And at this time, we're going to let our guest, Steve, take care of our clothes for us. And remember, listeners, if you ever become a villain for a night and you run into Spider-Man, he'll let you off the hook as long as you explain yourself. Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye. I think that was it. I think those are the only characters. I mean, the Human Torch doesn't count, right? I mean, oh, oh I thought of Doc Connors for a moment. So. Yeah, I almost, I almost had Doc Connors too, just because he helped Spider-Man out so many, like a few times, and he saved Aunt May's life with the the ISO, whatever number that was, thirty something. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because he's at least he's a reoccurring character, like the Human Torch. What do you, um, right. Steve? Do you have any, uh, do you have any opinions of the Human Torch? He's he's in. So many of the books. Uh, I I do not like Human Torch. He every time he shows up, I just want him to go away. And he's he's like too strong. I feel like to hang out with Spider Man. Like the whole, I felt like the whole like little like the two part lizard story. At the end, the lizard can just be dehydrated and defeated. Couldn't <laughs> Human Torch just like put his right. flame on a little bit and make him heat up and dehydrate mm-hmm. like immediately? I guess wow. Spider-Man didn't tell him that. But yeah, I was kind of thinking that Spider-Man villains really don't fit for the Human Torch since he's like on fire. It just hurts people. Oh.